going to start off this morning, I'm going to give you a tool uh, that you can use. This is with evangelism when you're sharing your faith or sharing Christ with someone else. Uh, This is something that you can use uh, with uh, on a napkin, you know, if you take them out to, to lunch or for coffee or whatever, uh, you can use this uh, as a way or as a tool to share Christ. And you've probably seen this before. If you've went through real life discipleship, it's in the book in there, but I, I've seen this for years using this. But we see in our, in our life, there's this, this, this gap, there's this canyon, so to speak, uh, in our lives. Uh, and this side we see is, is God Almighty. So we see God here. And when we see ourselves over here, not a very good artist, so if you're better than me, you could please come up any time to help out. Uh, but, but we could see that there's this huge gap between us and God uh, when it comes to our personal lives, and, and when we do not know who he is, or we've not given our life to him. God is a God of, of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of hope. Eternity. And the list can go on and on of who God is, and the, and the goodness, and the greatness he is. But on our side, we can see uh, pre-Christian, before we become a Christian, that our life is filled with sin. That our life is selfish. And we could go probably on and on about us as well. And we see in this chasm, this canyon, that there's death physically and spiritually. But God is such an awesome God, and out of his love and out of his grace, he gives us a way. He, he bridges the gap for us in his own love, in his own way. He gave us our Savior, Jesus Christ, to help us with that gap, to get to know who he is, to be a part of who he is. And in that, God gives us uh, since he's the one that gave us this out of his love, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that we could have true life. We'd have life for eternity. He also gives us a way to do our part, so to speak, so that we can get over there. He gives us the ability to have faith. He gives us the ability to repent of our sins that we have in our life, to turn them over to him. He gives us the ability to confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that he is now our master. But he also gives us the ability to be baptized, to give our life to him. And then, and then our ability to, to cross this, to be a part of him. God gives us that ability through this. Also, I want to share with you uh, another chart here. Design. Who else here has been through real life discipleship? Anybody in this service? All right, so if you have been through Real Life Discipleship, the book. So I want to look at this, um, it looks like a wheel, but this diagram here. If you've been through that four, you can kind of help me out. And, and uh, so as we look at the wheel here, what do we find the first part here? Before we are pre-Christian, what are we? Do I remember? Dead. Yeah, spiritual death. So we are Dead. And then we find in here, we're going to do what you're not ever supposed to do when you speak, but what do we find ourselves? We find ourselves born again. Then after we're born again, what are we in faith? We are an, anybody remember? An infant. Good job. And then from infant, we find ourselves as a what? Child. And we move from a child to a young adult. 
And then where do we find ourselves when we do this discipleship process? We find ourselves as a, as a parent. And I can speak probably for Sid and anybody else that's been through this. It's been a great, uh, wonderful experience to go through this. Uh, not only just to go through it, but also to, to help lead through that. So if you want to get involved, there's a, I know there's still a sign-up for it, but this is a great way uh, for us to learn about discipleship and where we're at in the process and how we can help others in this. So spiritually dead, they're characterized, characterized by their unbelief. The infant is characterized by what? Anybody remember? Getting tougher on you. And this is not by their ignorance. And this is not a bad term. It's just that they don't know yet. So they're still learning the ability to ask questions and, and all that. We find a child selfish. But then as, as we see we're moving through the process, the young adult becomes a servant. Ready to serve. And then the parent, they are what? Does anybody remember? They're intentional. They're intentional the way they live their life, the way they share their life with other people. So we'll, we'll be referring back to this uh, throughout the sermon here and there. So if you want to get your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And it says there, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the first things I want to look at is in verse uh, 1 there. Is things that, uh, food for the soul that is not. We see here in chapter, one, or chapter 2 verse 1 again it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. I want to look at those five words. But first, the word there, so. Or in some of your versions might have therefore. And so when we see the word therefore, what are we supposed to do? What is it? Therefore, ask ourselves that as we look through Scripture and then, and then look back. So we look back to First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, Sid's been preaching through this, been doing a great job of preaching through this and, and giving us uh, the thoughts from Peter through this first chapter. But as we see here, uh, the therefore, he's bringing us back. Remember that you were born again. And so he's bringing us back to that. You're, when you were born again, the conversion has taken place. But he's calling us to holiness as we work our way through these stages. To a life of holiness. Not being satisfied where we at, or not going back to here all the time, but a life of holiness. We also see in, in chapter 1, he talks about brotherly love. That's what we're going to kind of be the theme throughout today, here and there, is this brotherly love that we're to have. In 1 Peter 1, it talks about this, that we're to love one another earnestly. And it says there, we're to love each other earnestly with a pure heart. Early in our walk with the Lord, we're going to and face challenges. How many in here? Can you say an amen? I mean, if you face challenges as early on in your walk with the Lord. But it's not just early on. It's in, in, in through the whole process, we're going to find ourselves struggling at times. We're going to find ourselves with hard times. But it's going to help us to know where we're at and, and who we can call upon to help us through this. We see here in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he tells us to put away. Put away or put aside, maybe your Bible says there. And this means away from. It's a, it's a marker of, of disassociation. A separation from these things. So we see that there's a separation between our old life of unbelief, of being dead in him, and now we're alive in Christ. We can see that. So what's this put away? What's this put, put aside? We see that it was, like I said, that separation, that disassociation. 
It literally used to about taking off our clothes and putting them aside. How many of you have ever pumped gas and the gas ha- happens to come up and spill on you, and you so you smell like gas? Or, or maybe you're getting ready for an interview or a first day of school and you've got a stain on your shirt, the one, brand new shirt that you're going to wear. What do you want to do? You want to immediately go to your room, take those clothes off, put them aside and put something new on, something that's clean, something that's fresh. As a Christian, when we lay aside our old life, when we lay aside ourself, we put on Jesus Christ. Isn't that so good, so refreshing? Isn't that so nice to be able to know that we put on Christ? We put him on as we share love, our brotherly love with one another. We've heard about the term putting away too is, man, that guy can put it away. You know, talking about eating. How many of you, you like buffets? Anybody here like buffets? You know, you go to these buffets. And Milan, Missouri, grew up in a small town. So when we go from Milan, we go to Kirksville, Missouri, which is still kind of small, but to us it was big. You know, it was big time. They had Golden Corral there. So we would go there and, you know, whatever you had to pay for, man, you had to eat that. I must have taught that by my dad. So I went there as a little kid, and, man, I ate away, ate away. And, man, I was so sick. I ate way too much food. I was just laying in the back of the car. Can we just go home? I just want to go lay down. Because I was so stuffed, because I put away too much. How many of you have ever watched the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? Anybody watch that? Last year alone, in 10 minutes, Joey Chestnut, been the champion for a few years now, 61 oh, hot dogs. Man, can you imagine that? 61 in 10 minutes that he put away. Makes me sick thinking about it. I have to know the abundance of anything can be bad. Because you can never go wrong with having an abundance of brotherly love in our lives and through our lives. As we put on Christ and we live for him. As we are are being transformed by him. So let's look at some of these words that we're to put away. Food for the soul is not malicious. Maybe your scriptures say malice there. So we're going to look through the dictionary definition, biblical definition, a a Bible story or passage. And then we're going to look at some Christ-like actions that we should have. So malicious, the dictionary definition is having or showing a desire to cause harm to someone. We look in the Bible, it's the desire to get even when someone hurts you or takes advantage of you. It's the image of trying to get even, even if it's someone hurts you small or big. It's whatever it is, you're just going to get even with them. When I think about this, I think about the story of, of this little guy named David. As he was out, he was a shepherd boy, and he was helping uh, in the fields, but then it was time for him to go and help his brothers. His brothers was part of a crew of the Israelites that was on this one canyon, and on the other side of the canyon was the Philistines. And they had a big dude called Goliath. And Goliath, he was terrifying everybody. He was challenging everybody. Yo, come on, bring it. And out of all the men that were there, King Saul even, the scripture says, was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was big. He would not even put his armor on to go and fight Goliath. But as David's handing out his sack lunches to his brothers that he was supposed to bring to them, he hears about this and says, I'll go take him on. Because with God, all things are possible. What did he do? He went out and slayed the giant that was set before him. David took care of him. But we find that this caused the people to like David more than Saul. They were cheering and chanting for him we see this made Saul mad to the point of being malicious towards him, towards David. 
He tried and tried and tried to kill David over and over. David even saved Saul's life a few times. So we see that this is kind of an extreme process of us becoming malicious. But we can do that as well with our actions and our words. But what are the Christ-like actions that we should have? That's being helpful, being loving, being benevolent towards those we see around us. Food for the soul is not deceitful, the next word, or deceit. Dictionary definition is not honest. Making or trying to make someone believe something that is not true. Another word for that is guile we find in the Bible and in the biblical definition. This is a cunningness. It's a trickery. How many of you like to fish? So you ought to fish. I mean, you use a lure, right? You're trying to deceive the fish. I really like to fly fish, and at one point I was tying flies more often. But, but, but they call that in, in fly fishing matching the hatch. So you go out and fish, and you're kind of looking, okay, is there things flying, things landing on the water, are there things emerging out of the water? So you want to f- match that with whatever flies you have in your fly box. Or if you're fishing on a lake, how many, how many times you walk out and you see someone catching a bunch of fish over there, and someone else yells, what are you fishing with? What are you using? Like the guy's going to tell him, right? He's over there slaying, you know, one fish after another. So we're there trying to trick, trying to deceive those fish. Last couple of weeks I've had... Uh, been struggling with deception. I'm sad to say that. No, just kidding. It's not with the church, not with my family. I've had a groundhog in my yard, tearing up my yard, leaving big holes. I've been trying to get this thing for two weeks now. And so I've been trying to, uh, finally got this live trap from Eddie and, and I put it out there and I watched a YouTube video. Okay, you take the apple and you bring it from the hole and you bring it out to it. Man, I wouldn't even sniff it at the time. And yesterday... We would look out there one time and it went up and I was like, oh yes, it's going to do it. It sniffed the cage and went off and started eating the clover in the yard again. But this morning when we woke up, no groundhog. I did some more things, looked at YouTube again, plugged up some of the holes and put the, the cage right there where it, that's about the only place it could go. And so I'm back getting ready and all of a sudden my daughter Hannah yells out, it's going in the cage. I'm like, be quiet. We don't want to scare it. And so we go out there and it's edging its way in the cage and finally it snaps, I mean, Lid closed for you guys that don't want to hear something die. And so it's in there in the cage. And so I go out there and put something so it doesn't get out so I can get it after church. And Jennifer calls me. Oh, I think it's going to get out or something. And so the kids try and take care of it. And next thing you know, we had Eddie go and take care of it for us. So, um, But I was trying to deceive this thing over and over and over. Trying to get it to lure it into that cage. And boy, that sounds like some stories we hear in scripture. The story of Samson and Delilah. Samson marries this lady, and, and uh, the Philistines know there's something different about this guy. He's just too strong. Stronger than anybody they've ever seen. Strong as an ox, so to speak. And so Delilah is asked by the Philistines, hey, can you go find out what it is, why he is so strong? And if we go way back in, in Samson's life, when he was a baby, he was dedicated to the Lord. One of the things his, wife, his mom took was a, a Nazarite vow. It said he wasn't going to shave his head wouldn't touch a dead animal, wouldn't drink strong drink, and the list goes on and on. So we know Samson's long hair is what gave him the strength. So he wouldn't tell her, and it was night after night, she kept wanting to know, and he would say, well, try this, and find out in the next morning, which called the Philistines in, it wouldn't work, because he would just break through it, because of his strength. But then she finally came to him, and said, oh, if you love me, right, some of you have heard that before, if you love me, and he fell for it, and he said, well, if you cut my hair, I will lose my strength. So they cut his hair, next thing you know, 
he is taken by the Philistines. His eyes gouged out and he was worked as a slave because he didn't have the strength that he needed by his own wife. Find Judas, he, he was deceptive. He spent three years with Jesus Christ. The man Jesus walked with him, was with him everywhere, heard his teachings. There's an edge of deception, an edge of greed that was with him in their own life when he gave up no, telling where Jesus is for 30 pieces of silver. Also find Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They had this piece of land and they, they sell it off. But they're gonna, they were supposed to give certain proceeds to the apostles, but they kept a little bit for themselves. Just kinda, they, knew it, they knew it, but they're going to keep this money for themselves. Well, they were asked about this by the apostles. First, Ananias was asked and, and he lied. He was deceiving about it, the whole thing and dropped dead. His wife didn't know it and she came in and they were asking her about it. She was deceiving and it says he was, wasn't even just deceiving to the people, but to God. She dropped dead. So they were being deceptive. And then we know Satan. First Peter, you know, Peter addresses this in 1 Peter 5, 8 as well, talking about uh, Satan being like a roaring lion, ready to devour. And we know what he was like in Genesis as we look at Genesis. He was crafty, he was sneaky. Helped aid in that first sin when Adam and Eve took of the fruit. So Christ-like action here is to be honest, to be truthful. Yet or yes be yes and no be no. Don't be wishy-washy. Be a truthful person. Be honest. Food for the soul is not hypocritical. Hypocrisy. Man, we hear this all the time. We hear it in the news. We hear it from friends of ours that we're trying to get to maybe come to church. Oh, you guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. How many of you have heard that before? All of us, right? <laughs> At some point, we've probably heard that before. Dictionary definition is the behavior of people who do things that they tell other people not to do. Behavior that does not agree with what someone claims to be or to believe or to, to feel. Biblical definition, I know Sid used this before, I know I have before. If you look at the, what it means to be a hypocrite, it, it's, it's, it's referring back to the stage of putting on masks, trying to fake people out, trying to uh, uh, influence the crowd that, oh, I'm this, I'm not really that other person, but I'm going to put this mask on. We know the routine. The hypocrite must conceal his or her own real motives and speak words which are very different from their real feelings. Now look at this. Jesus addresses this pretty clear in the Bible when he talks to the Pharisees. And Matthew chapter 23, 27, and 28 says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead persons' bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He also were talking to another Pharisee in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 39. It says there, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and full of wickedness. As we go through, the, if you've ever been through or you're going through, or I'd love to see you go through real life discipleships, it talks about us taking in information from our head and let it trickle down to our heart, and that heart should lead out to our hands in service. It's being who we are. It's being who we say we are. We put on Christ and we're going to act like we're going to live like, we're going to be like Christ. It's a genuine, it's a sincere heart. It's not just saying on the outside, this is who we are, but it's from the inside that says who we are in him. Food for the soul is not envious or envy. Dictionary definition is painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined 
with a desire to possess the same advantage. Biblical definition of envy is hatred, a burning discontent or unhappiness towards others on account of the same of some excellency they have or something they possess that you don't have that you want. Envy, envy we see is usually the root, the root of deceit is usually the root of hypocrisy and root of lots of other sins we see in our life. Now for the biblical story, we're going to take little David, who defeated Goliath, and he, as he grows up, he becomes King David. King David was out one day, it was a beautiful spring day, and he looks out on another rooftop, and there he sees Bathsheba, and he wants her. He wants to know who she is, and he has his people bring her to him. They commit adultery together because he wanted to have her so much. He envied whoever she was, but wanted her. But out of this envy, it's just the, the ball kept rolling, the snowball effect. And then he wondered, oh, who's your husband? Uriah. Well, he's on the front lines. I know who he is. He's, he's on the battlefield. Bring him in for a couple nights. Let him, hopefully he can be with her so that they think it's his child. It doesn't work because Uriah is so into his men. If they are out fighting, there's no way I can be home when they can't be home. So David puts him on the front line of the battlefield so that he is killed. So you see the snowball effect for him was so grand that he tried to cover up everything. We also see this in this, this, this envy in the disciples themselves. James and, and John, they wanted, to, they wanted to know who gets to set on the right hand or the left hand of God or of Jesus. Who, who is it that gets us? Who gets to be the greatest of us? And this kind of breaks out between the other apostles as they hear about this. And so there's a little bit of a dispute going on. But Jesus kind of, he handles this beautifully like he handles everything. It's that night in the upper room. He's getting ready to talk about the Lord's Supper. Getting ready to lay that out for them. You can remember me by my broken body and my shed blood. And as he moves, and, and that night when all these things were presented, one of the things he did is he took off and, and took a towel. He took a basin and water. And out of humility, he humbled himself and got down and washed each and every one of their feet. Basically telling them that you need to be humble. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's the attitude you need to have. You need to have an attitude of goodwill. You need to have an attitude of sympathy. You need to get down and wash another's feet. Don't worry about what position you're in, but be humble. Let's look at the last of these words. Food for the soul is not slanderous. Slander may be what you're Bible says. This is the dictionary definition is to make a false spoken statement that causes people to have a bad opinion of someone. The biblical definition is taking down or defaming another. This detracting things are said about another in order to advance one's self. You've all been in this position before. You've been in a room. Maybe it's you doing the talking or someone else doing the talking and that person comes in the room that you're not that you're talking about. Boy, that's fun, isn't it? Like the 90s term, not. There's no way that that's fun. There's nothing good that comes out of that. There's not, no brotherly love in that at all. Remember that this can destroy our brotherly love. It can destroy Christian unity in this act. We see this in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus' words says, And they called the people, Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20, and they called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. 
It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. When the disciples came to him and said, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when, you, when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that, may, that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. Leave, yeah, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. We see that Christ-like action is that to exalt. Lift the name of the Lord up. Glorify him. Honor those where honor is due. Show respect to those around you. And live a daily life of worshiping. Lifting up the name of Jesus every day. Not just Sunday, but every day. So let's now look at what food for the soul is. Verses 2 and 3. Food for the soul is craving passionately for the word of God. It says there in 2.2, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. First, let's look at this like newborn babes here. It says, Peter addresses that back, therefore, as we talked about earlier. In chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Peter probably used this term to show them. Remember when you longed, when you were dead, but then you were born again. Remember that time. Remember back when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Oh, what a glorious day that was. Remember when you were newborn in your faith. You were willing to share your faith with anybody and all those around you. You could not shut your mouth about the love of Jesus Christ. Remember that. And he's also saying, why can't we remember that when we're a child, a young adult, or a parent, and repeat that process and share that process with other people in discipleship? Why can't we do that? It says this newborn baby longing for the milk. They don't long for it. They long for it for the nourishment as well to help them to grow. You're not going to put in the bottle soda, as some of you may call it. I call it pop, and just expect the baby to be Good to go. You're not going to just put in there just juice. or You're not going to just put in there just water. Because it needs and it longs for that pure milk, that nourishment that it needs to grow. How many of you have ever fed like a baby calf or seen that done before? Man, they, will, they want every ounce of what's in that bottle. They will suck that bottle till it's like next to nothing. Because they want every single bit of that. And that's how we should be as newborn babes, as Christians, as wherever we're at in the process, we should be longing for the word of God. Let it penetrate our head, but not just our head, but down to our heart. Not just our heart, but out to our hands. So we are servants of the Most High. Longing for this pure spiritual milk, the, the, the pure milk that is God's word. We says a, comment here says a healthy infant is a hungry infant a spiritual healthy christian is a hungry christian 
hungering for this word of God. Not man's traditions, not man's made up things, but for the word of God as we look through Genesis through Revelation and the word of God and check everything in life in and through that, the purity that's in there, the wholesomeness, the nutrition that comes out. He goes on to say that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So we see here the kind of a physical versus the soul food. Physical gives us the nurturing, nurturing that we need physically, but we need to long and have a desire for this, the word of God. I love hearing new moms and, and even uh, Jennifer, when we had little babies, is they'd go to the doctor. Oh, yeah, they grew this much. And they, I mean, they'll give you all the stats, right? The, the height, the weight. They'll give you the head size, the percentile that our baby's in now, and all this stuff. But why is that important? Because we want to see our baby grow from the nutrients that we were putting in that baby. And the same thing with us as Christians. We need to see ourselves growing, producing fruit. And Christ wants to see that in us. And he goes on to say in verse 3, food for the soul is longing to acknowledge God's goodness. It says there, if indeed you have tasted that the the Lord is good. Taste here is that you've experienced it. You've experienced, you've tasted it. How many of you have ever been to San Antonio, Texas? How many of you have ate at Rudy's? Their slogan is the worst barbecue in Texas. To me, it's the best barbecue in Texas. Man, when we go down there every March for our spring break, I cannot get enough of it. I've gotten an hour where they've moved up to Dallas, so I don't have to just get it in San Antonio, but on a drive back, I can get it a couple times, more times before we get home. But, but the reason you can remember that, anybody in here like it? Come on, Jennifer, you got to raise your hand. At least please support me. But it's this long, and I can't wait to get back to eat it. But why? Because I've experienced the taste of their food, that it is so, so good. We have to remember that the Lord is good. Good here is this active goodness. He is always good. In our peaks and in our valleys of life, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I still know that God is good. Amen? And even if I'm on the peak of life, all things are going good, God is still good, right? God is better than Rudy's. God is better than anything you've ever ate is better than anything we can ever imagine. I'm going to say something I want you to repeat. I'm going to say God is good. I want you to say all the time. And I'm going to say all the time and you say God is good. So God is good. And all the time. I think we can do better. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Isn't he good? Even through our pain. Even through our struggles. God is good. Period. Food for the soul, in closing here, is not malicious. It's not deceitful. It's not hypocritical. It's not envious. It's not slanderous. But food for the soul is craving passionately for the word of God that we have set before us. Many of us have many swords in our house, but we need to pick them up and use them as the word of God. We need to long for acknowledging God's goodness in our lives. So it's time for us to put away our old self. Maybe you came in today and there's five of those things you're still struggling with them or one of them. Let's put them away because we have put on Christ. We are raised in newness of life with him. If you're here today and we're going to have an invitation time now, if you don't know and you desire for that goodness to, to, to live for Jesus Christ, you can come forward and make that decision. If you're here today and you say, I want to be a part of the family of Northside Christian Church, come forward. 
Also, maybe you came here today and, and, and like me, you've been struggling with some groundhogs in your life this past week or two. And you just say, man, I just need prayer. We're going to have prayer partners in the back that can pray with you and, and help you get to over that hump in life. Well, let's stand and let's sing.